Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. <laughs> How are you? You know, I, uh, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm here. Uh, yeah. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Um, I'm a couple, a couple cracked ribs uh, later, uh, but uh, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I've I found out that cracking a rib at forty one is way different than cracking ribs at like twenty two. Um, oh, did you did you do it at twenty two as well? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. But, but back then it was like you know you were doing stupid things and it was fun. Like you fell off a skateboard or like whatever. True. But like now it was yeah. This was uh this was you know I was walking outside to take care of my chickens. Um, <laughs> and and the the deck was a lot uh, was just wet and the ramp yeah. down was was just ice oh no yeah but you know it's all right it's all right uh uh, you know there's nothing you can do for broken ribs they sent me for some x-rays to make sure they didn't touch my lungs and and that's it take some time and all yeah (laughs) well i'm glad you're okay yeah Um, no thank you no it's uh it's you know it makes you feel any better i had an x-ray day i fell last week and i had been ignoring it (laughs) <laughs> and my elbow's still been kind of hurting i was like okay it's been like a week maybe i should go luckily it's like nothing that they can see is cracked they think it's Good. just a bone bruise so it's just like you know let it do its own thing it's gonna hurt for a few weeks and just let it go but yeah i've had yeah. the I've, I've been a member of the nasty fall brigade in recent days <laughs> you, you know <laughs> my cute. my wife has definitely been the one to take like take big spills over the years and i've been pretty oh. good about like staying upright <laughs> it's been a long time since i'd fallen and this yeah. was uh, like it's a reminder oh. it still happens same like you think you've yeah. outgrown it and then you fall again and you're like oh how embarrassing gosh i'm still this- that you should have this window between like 30 and like 70 where you yeah. don't fall down. You just like, you know, 70, you fall, you break a hip. That's just expected. Sure. But like this should be that. This should be a good window, like a no skid zone. Window I agree. Of life. Okay. But it's all right. At least I didn't break any wrists or hands or hit my head yeah. or anything like, you know, I'm so all right, whatever. I'll knock on wood. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> With that said, um, thank you so much for hopping yeah. on TPQ20 with me today. Uh, we always like to start off by saying we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. So if you were to give the bio that, you know, Kaveh Canem doesn't have of you um, or that won't appear on the back of a book, uh, who would you say you are? Sure. Um, yeah. And first is thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of the show um, and your work. So it's such an honor. Um, okay. I am Ariana Benson. Uh, I am a huge, huge sports fan, like completely obsessed, watch ESPN every day. Um, I play little games on my Switch where things won't attack me and hurt me like Pokemon <laughs> and Animal Crossing. Um, and I guess when I'm not doing all of that, I'm a writer or something. All right. So, so I, I did a little YouTube surfing earlier today <laughs> and I found, I found a couple of videos that say you have a lot more to you than that. So we, we can kind of go through there. There's a, there's a Spellman video out there uh, that is a one minute oh. video 
uh, from like 2019. Yeah. Uh, where uh, I believe it's just before the Marshall uh, Foundation or Fellowship. Yeah. yeah. Um, where you say you started out pre-med uh, and then you got really into uh, creative writing and television writing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, let's start the, how do we, how do we get from <laughs> what, well, I, I guess let's start way back. Yeah. Um, what comes first, your interest in medicine or your interest in poetry? Oh, definitely poetry. I mean, I still have journals from when I was like four years old and my teacher would write a prompt on the board and, it's, you know, it's nothing special. It's like snow day. I love to play, <laughs> you know, little kid poems, but right. it's definitely, you know, poetry. I think, I think I've always been a writer, but um, I didn't really know how that was the ways in that, which, which that could be a job in the world um, until I got to Spelman um, and I found you know, mentorship and, you know, all of this kind of guidance from a lot of Black women writers. So until that point, I had kind of thought, well, I'm good at science. I'm good at math. You know, I can just be a doctor. I can go to medical school. <laughs> like people, I enjoyed working at the hospital. And I took biology 110 and I was spiritually weeded out of oh. the discipline. Ooh. I have never had to study harder to make C's on tests. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, you know, mm, it's not for me. Um, so, but then I decided, well, okay, I, I majored in psychology, actually not English. And I said, well, I'll stay with psychology um, because my thinking was, if I can understand how people work, how people think, their motivations, I can write realistic characters. Oh, oh I like that. Okay. That one, so sorry. That's all right. <laughs> That's, I like that. That's a good way to think about that, that the idea of that, you know, it's combining the, the jobs and the loves, like that yeah. idea that, you know, I, I've been teaching for 20 years and I think that's kind of the same thing, like that ability to just sit back and observe and use yeah. and use that as care, you know, as at least pretense for characters. Um, that's, a, yeah. that's a good way to go about it. Yeah. So then when did the ultimate switch come where you realized, okay, pre-med because even what you were just saying it <laughs> didn't sound very exciting like i could be a doctor i'm good at yeah. science whatever i like people yeah uh, so when did you realize that it was okay to do the thing you loved over the thing that you thought maybe you could just do yeah so that's that's really when i think the mentor stepped in and i met um, my screenwriting professor slash mentor lee strongman and she had actually you know written for those in Hollywood and she was a black woman and she was like here's a path you know you can do this um and then I met Sharon Strange who is my ultimate teacher um not even you know beginning to really cover everything by saying the word teacher um she's also of course founder of the Dark Room Collective legendary you know black poetry <laughs> collective yes. um and she was like hey there's a route for you in poetry um there are all of these worlds open um that I hadn't even known at that point when I met her I was probably 19 and I probably hadn't written a poem since I was 13 or 14 in middle right. school I'd kind of put it away as some childish thing as they you know say in the old classics uh -huh. or something like that um and they really kind of opened the doors that I think I had shut for myself thinking that I had to have a, a proper career mm. um so that's I think when that transition really happened for me was there uh how'd your parents feel 
you know okay <laughs> so you would think right that they would be like wow you're going from being a doctor a very stable career to being a writer my dad practically did a happy dance I was like what kind nice. of parent are you that you don't <laughs> want me to be a doctor but he had never he never wanted me to be a doctor he was oh, like that's you know, great. this is a waste of your talent I'm not for it he was very very happy um and my mom when I explained to her she was just like okay do you have a plan I said yes I found a mentor I found a program I picked up a minor and she was like okay great no notes keep going <laughs> so I, I think it. fortunately I've had really really supportive um parents throughout this whole process now I think they have wrong ideas about poetry being lucrative because they see me you know getting published and making <laughs> 20 bucks randomly my dad's like pick up a pen and fill up your gas tank so <laughs> <laughs> pick up three four five pens yeah yeah fill up half a tank yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. It is interesting. I used to, I, it must have been a, a college professor or a high school teacher at one point who said 2% of the world, 2% uh, of the world's writers make enough to make a living. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like it must have been like a freshman year, like a freshman seminar writing instructor from college. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it, it is, it is a crazy statistic. If you look at it, I mean, you know, the, the thousands and thousands of writers who are all vying for the, you know, the plowshares publication or, you know, yeah. in house, whatever. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, it, it, it is pretty crazy. I mean, it's well done for like, you came at that the perfect way, like for having an actual path and here's my plan and here's what I'm doing to get there. Like that's, yeah. that's not very typical. Um, and yeah. that's awesome. So, so well done. Yeah. Um, Thank you how uh on a on a non-poetry question completely uh how um how was the anxiety of being the valedictorian yeah um <laughs> <laughs> that was real and it it was no joke it was not easy um i my class was pretty tough the the person who was my roommate freshman year was actually the salutatorian oh wow um, okay and you yeah we we really kind of battled it out there i think um for a minute but i really had a specific goal in mind which is not to say that i'm you know so altruistic and not competitive i am <laughs> i like winning and that was part of it but um, really, my goal for being valedictorian was it was the one way that I knew I could guarantee um, that I could speak at the graduation. Um, I am not social enough to win something like student council president or whatever. So I but I wanted to speak because I needed to have this moment. Um, with my mom, she went to Spelman, um, but she, you know, due to kind of life circumstances, whatever, didn't get to finish. So she had to transfer out um, and finish at Norfolk State her junior year. Oh. Um, and at Spelman, there are all these kind of rituals and traditions that you do when you graduate. You wear your white attire again that you wore when you got inducted and you walk under the arch that you have carefully avoided walking under for four years. And <laughs> you know, you cross into alumni hood and, and all of these really beautiful things that she kind of didn't get to experience um, right. in life circumstances. So when I was up late thinking, you know, I really could just take an A minus on this paper and it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, I would just envision that moment where, you know, I did get to say, and this degree has two name on it, two names on it, mine and uh, Colette Angela Benson. And that, mm. that kept me from the anxiety, I think for the uh. most part, the inspiration of that did. I love that. That's fantastic. It's uh, what a brilliant way, way to look at that. Uh, I was talking with uh, Joshua Bennett uh, last week yeah, yeah. Um, and he has a similar story when I asked him about how do you deal with the anxiety of, of performing at the White House? Mm. Um, and he said his mom was there and his mom was in the front row 
and it was all he could do to make sure he could keep his mom proud uh, and know that he was focused on that. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, that's awesome when you get those moments when you can do things for, because of, and kind of with, uh, yeah. you know, with that person. It's, that's, that's well, awesome. And it's, it's cool that you bring up Joshua Bennett. I mean, he was one of my major examples when I was applying to Marshall, he was a Marshall oh, scholar yeah. and he was a poet. And, you know, I really definitely kind of leaned into this idea that, okay, there are models for me out there. If I just find them, I can follow them. Um, and his was definitely one of them. That's awesome. Yeah, he was he was one of the kind of my original three ways into the spoken word, mm. uh, spoken word world of poetry. Um, poetry question started because some students asked me to uh, prove the relevance of poetry in the 21st century. <laughs> um, and I didn't yeah. at that time, like my backgrounds in in 15th to 19th century British poetry. So like, I've got mm. a really nerdy background. Sure. Um, and, and I didn't know a ton of stuff. And I stumbled on a on a buddy who told me about button poetry at the time um oh, and so yeah. my students and i we just spent days um on youtube uh i'm sure to the love of my administrators and parents at that time uh but we just watched poetry and yeah. uh then we found brave new voices uh as so... yeah button brave new voices <laughs> deaf poetry jam oh yeah those so are off I, in the doors and i i kind of remember like you know i'm 40 so i was a kid when deaf poetry jam was really you know i kind of remember sneaking some some watches mm -hmm. but it really didn't kind of settle in until much later but yeah mm -hmm. joshua bennett and that 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 team through brave new voices was such a it was such an eye-opener yeah um but yeah what a, like what a great what a great model to have to go through things like that yeah um so sports uh, <laughs> where is where is for you the through way between your love of sports and poetry I think the through way is very much my obsession with story um I love sports because I love what's happening on the field it's exciting it's fun whatever but I am really generally invested in the players' narratives. You know, are you the underdog who nobody ever thought, you know, you were undersized and, you know, you were a little unathletic, but you worked really hard? Or are you the person who was supposed to be great, right? Has the body, the height, the length, but at all this pressure on you, you know, how do you succeed? How do you overcome, you know, all of that expectation um, so that when they do achieve something on the court, it means so much more to me because I've known and read about, you know, their life before they ever kind of picked up a basketball. It's is the best example. I'm basketball is yeah. probably my favorite sport if you had okay. to make me pick. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the story. Um, ah. It's also something I get from my mom, not my dad. My dad, if you asked him his favorite team, he would say the Celtics and then you'd say name a player and he'd say Larry Bird. Okay. So it's not the most current engagement, but my mom yeah. watches ESPN every day, knows something about probably every, at least one player on every single NBA team, um, and is really even more invested in the stories than I am. Oh, that's cool. So then I, I used to ask, uh, I used to ask poets about the idea of storylines and poetry. Mm. So then it seems like you're probably somebody who believes that not only should there be you know, maybe a storyline in individual pieces, but that a chapbook or a collection should also have some type of plot line? You know, that's a good question. I, I believe that it's an option. I believe as much as I love leaning into that kind of lyric associativeness, mm -hmm. I believe that poems can really be used to tell story um, and that that can be really a primary kind of device of, of the poetic form. At least that's how it kind of worked out for me with Black Pastoral. I was really thinking about trying to tell the story of 
the Southern landscape um, as it related to Black people and the land. Um, and so a lot of the poems are narrative. A lot of the poems are really specifically about um, one individual, whether I imagine them in my head or whether they're real um, and experience life, you know, in a, in a kind of real tangible historical way. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important to me in a lot of ways in my poetry narrative is. When you're, when you're reading, um, are you, because the idea of a collection of poetry is so weird because it's just a, a bunch yeah. of, you know, the, the overarching idea is it's just a bunch of poems that you pile together and they, they made the cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it, is it distracting to you at times uh, to have a collection that is kind of frenetic in, in some ways? not your collection just to, when you're reading a collection yeah you know that's that's a really good question i wouldn't say it's distracting but i would say going into a collection i do kind of read the first few and determine whether I need to read the collection in order to get it or not, um, and how chronology might play a role. Um, and I will say probably the collections that are the ones that I cling to that are my favorites, probably some kind of arc does play a role because I think that that's just how my brain is wired, right? right. I'm like, ooh, climax, ooh, falling action, ooh, shiny. <laughs> you know, it's it's good for me <laughs> to experience. As a middle school way. teacher, I'm looking at the plot chart <laughs> in my head right now going, Yep. <laughs> exactly the plot chart like oh what a nightmare that was learning but <laughs> there's something about it right that yeah. triggers some kind of primal satisfaction in my brain and a lot of people's brains um and I think that's part of the reason why I stayed in psychology is I wanted to kind of understand what that was and why we're so attracted to these little shiny nuggets that are stored. Right. Nice. Well, and then so so and then we get to we get to your most kind of recent in your recent days, uh, the Cave Canem Prize. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, nice. Was this your first time applying for it? Yeah, um, wow. the way this, <laughs> well the way done. this unfolded <laughs> was pretty, pretty wild and shocking. I think this is only the eighth prize that I had submitted to. Um, I'd only been sending the book out for, at that point, three months, because I had okay. started in October and I submitted to the prize in January and found out about it in July. So this this all happened very quickly, <laughs> honestly, faster than I expected it to. Right. I, I expected more no's. And I think um, through kind of these past three years, the no's have, have kind of started to go off my back like water. Um, but still, I, I expected a little more water before I got right. to the gold. Um, so yeah. Well, and and so what what is your experience thus far through this process? Um, and then let's talk about the book uh, because we that's we want to know what's coming up. So uh, <laughs> how how is the process so far? Yeah, I, it's been really incredible. I've had a really great time working with um, Beth Sneed, University of Georgia Press, and just kind of walking through the process of, okay, you know, you have a manuscript that won, but it wasn't the version that I had been sending out still because there's this big six month gap, right? So I had written new poems, I had rearranged them, I had changed sections, you know, it was kind of a different collection. Um, but I wanted to honor what the judge, Willie Perdomo, he's a poet I respect so much, I what I wanted to honor what he saw in the version that I sent in that he had chosen for the prize. Mm. And so it became this kind of process of merging the two versions into some amalgam of, of where it had 
gone it had gone but where where it was um and so now we're kind of into the little like nitty-gritty things of the process like figuring out cover art getting blurbs um and that's been pretty cool to see from the inside it's it's like when you see submittable on the back end of the first time you you kind of like imagine what it would look like and then you get in there and you're like oh it's kind of inside of a beehive type thing pretty fun (laughs) that's awesome so I always ask about timeline of things. When did you start Black Pastoral? When when was when was the first poem uh, to, you know, when was your deadline for saying or have you finally said, yeah. yes, these words are 100 percent done? Yeah. Uh, so there is only one poem in Black Pastoral that I wrote in undergrad and it was my senior year um, and it was selected for Spellman's like Academy of American Poets Prize um, cool. by brilliant, beautiful poet, rest her soul, Camila Aisha Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really gave me a lot of inspiration during her, her week that she spent as our kind of writer in residence. Um, so I guess the oldest poem then is from 2019. And the most recent poem is probably from earlier this year. So maybe like spread out over three years, but the vast majority of it was written during 2021 um, because I had gone to London. I was living my life as a Marshall Scholar. I was like, wow, you know, I'm not even going to try that hard in school anymore. I have had, you know, I've got the big accomplishments done. I'm going to live my life like a real young adult. (laughs) And then COVID happened. Right. And we were promptly told essentially by our housing place, like, if you have a country to return to, go back. Um, So I actually had to finish my first, you know, kind of Marshall Scholar degree. You get two usually through that program. So I had to finish my first degree online at home. Um, And then rather than fight through a year online virtually in London, which is a fun city, but not if you're sitting inside staring at, you know, gray concrete buildings all day. Um, I would stay home for a year and I'm from Chesapeake, Virginia and like the rural part of Chesapeake, Virginia, where, you know, deer run across the road and like nothing. Um, so that gave a lot of inspiration to that kind of pastoral, um, me living back home in a place that was so lush and so full of all of this green um, that I hadn't really had that experience, you know, living in kind of central Atlanta. Right. Um, so most of the poems were written over that year. And I really just, I dove into poetry. I I worked with so many Black women poets. I worked with Vivi Francis at Palm Beach Poetry Festival and Patricia Smith at Tin House and mm. Amber Flora Thomas at um, Breadloaf Environmental. And they poured so much into me um, that the poems just came out probably at a higher clip than I normally write. I'm usually pretty slow. Um, so yeah, most of it was was in that really one condensed like October, 2020 to October, 2021. Um, do, you, do you feel like I guess I can rearrange this question a little bit. Do you feel like the poems you wrote uh, at home have a different voice or feel than those you wrote uh, in Atlanta? Mm, That's a good question. Well, I I didn't really, there's only the one that I wrote in Atlanta. Um, And maybe it has a different feel because it's it's formal um, and it was, again, inspired some by something very, very specific. It was inspired by um, a trip that I'd taken to study abroad in Ghana mm-hmm. uh, and a seeing coming across the, the wild pineapples that grew um, along the path that they took us to um, a slave castle. And they just said, you know, they actually use those pineapples kind of like you would use stars in the sky to navigate. 
Um, wow. So all this research started about, you know, symbolism of pineapples in the Western world versus what they might mean to indigenous peoples and cultures. And so that poem came out of something very, very specific right. um, versus, yeah, the poems at home. I It sounds very, you know, poety and melodramatic, <laughs> but it would be raining and I would open the window and I would look outside and see a bird land in one of the little oak trees and I'd be okay poem time um with a little history and research thrown in there <laughs> i like that um, it sounds yeah. poemy that's, that's yeah yeah i love that um <laughs> and as we kind of head toward the end um although you've mentioned some incredible poets throughout uh who are the poets you are reading right now that are really exciting you yeah um so off the top of my head, just thinking about today, uh, KB Brookins mm. is a poet and a writer who I just, I admire them I so clicked, much. I clicked the pre-order on the new book today. Immediately um, the cover is Oh, it's gorgeous. Stunning. Gorgeous. Um, so yeah, shout out KB. Um, Taylor Johnson's Inheritance mm. really, really hit home for me um, because there are a lot of, there are a lot of non nondescript similarities i i would say between their experience of dc and my experience of hampton roads and, and that kind of virginia ish blackness okay. um and so i really love love that um same for tyree day's work mm, um yes. i really love his work um so yeah there there are a lot of i think poets that are really really inspiring me but if i had to name a few that i kind of clung to while I was holding the book. Those are, those are some that come to mind immediately. Oh, that's fantastic. And you are in a group, the next like two years of poetry. Is, Man, it's loaded. It's, it is overwhelmingly amazing. Yeah. Uh, so you are, you are in really, really good company over the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for spending time on TPQ 20 today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you and I really look forward to sending more and more people your direction. Uh, and I cannot wait for black pastoral. Um, and I'm excited for your future. Uh, thank so, you so much. Yeah. It's, it's been an honor and a pleasure. You are a fantastic interviewer and interviewing is a skill. Um, so it's, <laughs> thank it's you so been, much. you know, really great to, to talk to you. Um, and I really, really look forward to all the other episodes of TBQ 20. Ah, I appreciate it. I look forward to talking <laughs> to you soon. Have a great rest of the night. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.